Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. Today we bring you part one of our two-part conversation with Zach Evanesh. Zach is the creator of the Underground Strength Gym based out of New Jersey, but his reach has been international. He is best known in life and professionally for his first appearance on Power Athlete Radio, episode 101, which was our most downloaded episode. Unknown if those stats are a result of us posting it twice, but if Zach's primary hustle is crushing Power Athlete Radio ratings, then a close side hustle would be all the amazing work he's doing with youth athletes. Zach's commitment to instilling a sense of confidence, mental fortitude, and raw strength in these teens is a real reflection of his phenomenal coaching ethos. I hope you enjoyed part one with Zach Evanesh as much as I did. Here it is, episode 240. And now it's the premier podcast in Stronger. Oh my God. Conditioning. I got that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hold on. Kelly's laughing right now, too. Actually, here's the thing Z, you're going to give the fucking intro. You've listened to it a thousand fucking times. Uh, So. Just go. Just say, ladies and gentlemen, and then go with it. Kind of like when I did the Denny KMO? Yeah. You got that, Z? No. uh, Roll us in, Zach. Come on. Make it happen. Welcome to the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. This is Power Athlete Radio. Prepare to slam down 50 shots of coffee. Put your protein powder in and get ready to kick ass and take names. And remember, people... On this very day, Jesus is not on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a wrestling pro. Is that called a uh, wrestling cut or a promo? No, Ooh, no, 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 no. That's just that called our podcast. Yeah, Zach, that's a podcast intro uh, to Power Athlete Radio, people. We have Zach Evanesh on the horn. He's fucking working his grip fucking squeezer, and uh, he's got his pants off. We're going to show a video. He's and, planning uh, his seventh gym Zach, that he's walking away from next week. Zach just found out today that Jesus does not have an Instagram account, people. And Jesus Zach is not Evanesh, a football everybody. fan. And he's not a football fan. I'll close the gym before I open it. And listen, I've been um, speaking with guys that we all know, big name guys, that they open up more facilities because they're like, all right, I've got this system of training. This location is pumping. I have coaches that if I don't open another facility, they're going to open their own. So let me open another one and another one. And you know what they all tell me? They're like, dude, it's more headaches. It's less profit. I don't feel as fulfilled. I'm not as happy. And uh, then we also know people who, I'm not going to mention any names like these three guys right here. <laughs> like, let's get the fuck off the grid. Let's go to a place that has no internet connection for a year. <laughs> it's a true statement. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to, I think I'm get. I'm going to interview uh, Greg Everett on Friday, who, where was he in California, then went to Oregon, right? Yeah, Nor- was he in NorCal, John? Yeah, he was NorCal. in NorCal. Yeah. And, and then so he went to like, Oregon, out, like, out, out, like out towards Ben. Yeah, and Zach, let me tell you, life is good. Uh, business is good. We didn't even need the internet for a tech-enabled internet company for one year. Which is amazing. By. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was crazy. We, yeah. we actually were digging around in the backyard looking for the internet. <laughs> so we were out there digging, and we're like, what are we digging for, the internet? Yeah, and then we hit it, and then broke it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Dude. you guys were, di- and but during that time, John is is buying motorcycles, cars, and um, 
uh, yes. <laughs> night vision, night vision to spot what animals are roaming on the land. So a lot of that's false because it's mostly just trucks. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, so I have a, a strange addiction to like uh, one to two thousand dollar piece of shit trucks. And I have a trailer, and when I see one, it's kind of like um, I'll be like, "Oh, it's, you know." And I drag them home, and we have lots of land to storm. So I, uh, I just really like piece of shit trucks. I mean, it could be worse. I could have a cocaine habit. I could be yes. into hookers and drugs yeah. and like well, that's tech. other other, <laughs> other weird stuff. I mean, I could be like into you know, like you know, like stealing people's cats, like Hinsman. But, um, collecting, it's called yeah, collecting. Collecting, yeah, sorry, collecting. Uh, I just really like piece of shit trucks so much so. One's parked at the front of the road, by the, so that's how people find the house. They're like, oh, just look for the rusty old truck with Christmas lights on it. That's our house. That's what I told the you know, Uber driver if, this morning. And did he say, oh shit, there it is? Yeah. What so, I would do if if I had the time is, you know, those guys, American Pickers, that show. <laughs> I would do that, but for old gym equipment. That's actually what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Man, when I right before I opened that first gym, when eBay was legitimate like a garage sale, I would find some old stuff on eBay. I don't even know if Craigslist was out or newspaper classified ads, and I would just travel and find old stuff. And I think the best, one of the best pieces that I found was that 150-pound globe dumbbell. It's mm. like a circus dumbbell. Nice. I sent a photo of it to um, Pops Richard Soren, and he said – I. I, he goes, I've never seen anything like it. I, I don't want know it. what brand that is. I think it's from a circus. Legitimate. Did uh, huh. did did he come and steal it from you? No, no. I mean, because Pops has through. more gym equipment, dude. Like he like, I did a tour of his gym. Unbelievable. Like he did. And, and then there, there's shit that he hasn't even brought out yet. Like they took me on like a, they have containers just full of shit that he's collected. So yep. anybody looking for really cool, dope old gym equipment, Richard Soren has it all. Yeah, he, I don't think he's gonna part with it though. But if you just want to look at it, what? No, oh it's, yeah, it's well, a museum. He set well, up the museum. No, here's the crazy part: he set up the museum, but they have containers full of shit in the back of stuff that didn't make it in the museum. And I'm like, what are you doing with all this stuff? He's like, oh, we could never part with this. That's the side museum. Yeah, side, well, it's like a side well, hustle, it, it's like uh, so. Bert well, was over there looking at my anvils, and he's like, ooh, these are pretty nice. Pops would like these. I'm like, doesn't he have like 400 anvils? anvils? He's like, yeah, yeah, but he'll always collect more anvils. You must uh, have you picked up any anvils since you've been down in Texas? Yeah, I, um, I, I drove down to San Antonio and this old lady uh, on a farm was selling two that of them. Story, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was great. I showed up and I like, looked at them and I was like, okay. She's like, which one? I'm like, both of them. She's like, oh. And then she, she's like, well, how are you going to get them in the truck? I'm like, oh. so I lift Watch them up and put thing. them in there. And she was like, oh, we've had four or five people come by and look at them and uh, they can't get them in their cars. Or, and so we, they've left them here and they haven't come back. You're the only person I've known since my husband who died who could actually lift these things and uh, uh, like move them around. I was like, what the fuck has happened in society that uh, people can't pick up a 147-pound anvil and just throw it in the back of their truck? The lady was so surprised. Listen, then, Zach, I know this Johnny. is – I know you're triggered, bro. I know you're triggered. So before we get into this – Look at him. He's like, uh, Just Johnny, in case. John walked away and goes, hey, Grandma, I got one word for you. PowerAthleteHQ.com. <laughs> Actually, what I did, what was pretty funny, is I picked him up by the uh, by the horn with one ah. hand and put him in, and she was like, lost her mind. She's like, my husband wouldn't, you know. <laughs> oh, <bullshit>. and, <laughs> no, well, they were covered in beeswax. So I got no, Zach, give us give us an update, man. So intro yes. and update, just in case. So Zach's been is this third or fourth time on the podcast? Well, you know, well, it, technically it mirrors fourth. it mirrors the gyms. Well, three on the Power Athlete Radio, and then we had a fourth kind of uh, on the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, with Jim Steele. Yeah. Yeah. 
with that the recording was so much issue. fun. But Minus is- Texting <laughs> so, so Zach, give us give us yeah. an update. Give us the first intro, then update. What do you do? What are you up to now? What have you done? What do we missed out on? Cool. So I think um man, when that was probably right before I started at Rutgers. So I'm about one year at Rutgers University, just with the wrestling team. So what happened was I got a text message probably a day or two after Christmas last year that their strength coach is leaving and I'm good friends with the head coach. And he's like, we need a strength coach. Um, that head, the head wrestling coach has been there 10 years. I think this is the 11th. He goes, I've had a dip. I've had 10 strength coaches, 10 academic advisors. He's like, we have had a new guy every year or every, every half year they leave. So I started there. I've got two gyms. I had a third kind of like a satellite location inside of a baseball facility. And uh, I love to be very transparent with really what's going on with strength coaches for, for a couple of reasons. So that baseball spot, I shut it down. I said, dude, we can't even give it away. And I told, you know, the owner, he couldn't figure it out. He thought, you know, and I think a lot of people think this, they're like, Oh, Zach Evnesh is coming in here. This place is going to blow up. He has, he has followers on Instagram. I legitimately think that's what people believe. And we could not give it away to those kids. And I said, dude, I have never, and the underground strength gym has never been about begging or even trying to convince people, parents that look, if your son is that weak and skinny and slow, if I got to convince you that being stronger and tougher and faster and more explosive is helpful and you don't want to do it, I don't want to be in this place, right? I don't want to be here. So we finally pulled out. I probably would have pulled out much earlier. And uh, now I've got the two facilities, one in the town I live in. And the other one that does really well actually is in central, maybe considered North Jersey, it's, a, it's our smallest facility. It's like 960 square feet, but it's in a great area because it's on a main road. A lot of eye traffic, cars driving by, a lot of uh, foot traffic going through the building because we've got a wrestling club right next to us in the same building, a boxing club, and upstairs is jujitsu. Uh, yeah, and uh, each coach is just tops. Like, they're national competitors, world-class competitors. The guy who um, coaches the jiu-jitsu competes a lot in, like, those Abu Dhabi World Championships. So the convenience fa- – I pay attention basically to why people come and go. Parents constantly say, too busy, too busy, or they just don't really know the difference, right, between good or great. And the fact that they could let their own child like lift and then wrestle and come back three hours later, <clears throat> I think it plays a huge role. And also, you know, in different places, like you guys are out in Texas, uh, football is, is life out in Texas. So people take that shit seriously. And in that area, that central and or that North Jersey area, it's a more, you know, get after it, like fucking make shit happen. Fist pumping. This pumping is more wife beaters, alien versus sandstorm, <laughs> like pretty much what I think of like the old Meadowlands when we used to play the Giants. So we're about 25 minutes from uh, Giant Stadium, that area that oh, we're yeah. in, and that area is affluent. So, you know, when I think about it, honestly, you know, our membership is like uh, on average like 195 a month. I'm like, is that a lot of money? 
And it's really, to me, I don't think it's a lot of money, but I think that it all depends on like what's important to you, right? Like if it's important, you find a way. If it's not important, you don't. And I'm really, I just can't relate to people. I know you guys feel this way. And John, you get pretty fired up about this. Like I, I can't relate to people who are like, eh, that's good enough. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about good enough? I'm about to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, and what's hard is like, uh, you know, you, you would think you could price yourself into the people who care. Right. But unfortunately, there is there's a demographic of folks who make some cash and they just don't fuck. They don't give a fuck. Right. And, you know, that, so that's like where you're saying one ninety five a month. Well, it's affordable for people who might not care, but then you reduce your clientele by, let's say, doubling that. Right. Let's say you want to do four hundred bucks a month. People will still fucking pay that. And I'd say 90 percent of the people would who would pay it would get the most out of it. But you have that 10 percent that still suck the life out of you as a fucking coach. You know, could be five percent, could be one out of a hundred, which one is bad 1%. seed, right? Well, I mean, we, I mean, we've all, uh, you know, owned and worked and been like, you know, integral in a brick and mortar facility. I mean, Luke and Naperville and Balboa and Tex and you know, numerous, you know, strange places in the basements of churches. And I mean, dude, I, I had three people. locations uh, from, you know, started in my, in my downstairs, in my loft, and then we went to one and then another. And it's like, after the while of doing this, and I, I was on the, uh, on the phone with some guys yesterday about, you know, business systems and all this about how to run a gym. And they just made a point. They were like, you know, uh, the problem that we've run into is that we've tried to create a unpersonal environment in a business that's purely is purely derived by like personal relationships. So, yeah. you, you know, you kind of get into this like group training model where you have a coach who's coaching, let's say 20, 25 bucks. And he has this, you know, this gym model where you're, you know, you come in, you do group classes. And, you know, even though you think, you know, the person you don't really, cause you don't spend any time one-on-one with them to getting to know them to create a relationship. That's why like, you know, being able to, to, to put things in place to have a personal relationship. And the reason being is like the kids that are coming, uh, you know, their parents don't understand the relationship. They don't really see it cause they're not involved. And it, it's so hard to make that bond. I mean, I, I like t- talking with these guys yesterday, I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this is exactly all the shit that every gym owner has ever encountered, which is like, dude, you've been here six months, like you've made gains and like, how could you leave now? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, you know, like there's no personal connection. Either you weren't able to bridge the gap or they just weren't ready for it. And it was, it's just pretty fascinating to like think back on my history in terms of like coaching classes and, and owning the gym in here and trying to like create this community thing. Because people usually don't, don't commit their, or quit a community, but it's easy for them just to stop going or just not give a shit anymore. Right. Or you hear things like when you, when I listen to these coaches that are building, you know, these gyms, they're, they're always talking about community. And yeah, I understand community, but I also understand number one, my job is it's not to build a community. I have to train you to be strong, to, to improve your performance. And a lot of it is mental. And a lot of it is these kids can't look you in the eye. They have no confidence. And the thing that always, here's what's weird. And John, you, you have kids, so this is going to hit home to you when they start really competing in sports. Tex, you've got kids in like 27 states, so I know this is a little odd for you to keep well, up. Well, he's buried sports. women in 27 and, states. Uh, We're not sure. But here's the thing. If I'm a father, okay, or mother, whoever, right, and you're a parent and you're, Luke is just like, you're a mother? <laughs> How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just, you are a parent. I, I don't question that shit. 
if you are a parent and you're watching your child play football and he's just getting destroyed on that field or he's sitting the bench or you're um and you know wrestling is the worst one-on-one we're not we can't even you're not even with the team it's one-on-one i watch you get tech fall that's when you lose by 15 points or pinned if i was a parent i watch my kid get his ass kicked out there i'd be like I'd be, I'd be on my phone Googling. And I don't know if people use Google anymore, but I'd be like, how the fuck do I get my son strong? He just got... Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> what, what do people way. use other than Google? AltaVista, Dogpile, Netscape. MapQuest? What about Netscape. MapQuest? Netscape was a web browser, you fucking dipshit. What about That's Netscape? Kidding, uh, what about... Uh, MapQuest. Yeah, MapQuest. I MapQuest. I MapQuested here today. Yeah, that's how I get here. I MapQuest. <laughs> Printed directions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, don't make fun of that. My parents still do that. Is that we? I I like I was telling you earlier. I'm like I try to pay attention to what people say. So I, I started training a kid uh, two three months ago, and um, he lives two to three miles away. Two or three, and his dad's like he just can't get here. He's just too much homework. I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, is it 12 hours of homework? Like, how much homework do these kids get? They can't come once a week. And uh, the guy says to me, I, I've been here for eight years. You've had the gym for five years. I just heard about you in the springtime. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, how do people, you think people know about you? But that guy probably, he's probably, you think that people are on Instagram. You think they Google you. They, I think a lot of people are just wait to hear from another parent but i know this and i don't know why this sounds weird but if if my son is getting beat in wrestling and be like okay he's got to get better at wrestling let me find a wrestling club okay my kid is not fast enough let me find a place where he's going to get stronger and he's going to get more explosive i'm just going to look for it but i think people just they're they think that something is suddenly going to change like well he's just keep getting beat up keeps getting beat up to me, it's like, look, man, we're going to have to do a complete radical transformation and people aren't ready to hear that. Meaning, all right, dude, you lost 20 wrestling matches out of 25 matches last year. Here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to train here three to four days a week. You're going to have to go to a wrestling club three to four days a week. You have to do sprints on your own. And that only takes, it's going to take an hour or two. And uh, it's going to take an hour or two each day. And you got a couple more hours to do your homework and have a social life and do all these things. But people are like, they're like, it's just one or the other or not at all. You know, there's very few people at that like top echelon that are like, yeah, I'm going to go all in and make it happen. And it's just a weird world. I can't relate to that shit. Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about youth athletes, it's it's based off the history of the parent. And Aunt Lo tagged us in. Our buddy out of Sydney tagged us in a video about a dude talking about, um, you know, he put two axes on on the whiteboard and one was talent and the other was commitment, right? So if you can imagine talent across the X or horizontal commitment over the Y and you can map out those things, right? You either have talent and no commitment, talent and commitment, commitment and no talent, no talent, no commitment. And I think if you're a, if you're a child of a parent who had talent or none of that commitment component where you realize that there are things outside of whatever your main hustle is that can improve your main hustle, whether it's a side hustle or training on your main hustle, uh, you don't know that. So you don't fucking pursue that for your kid, you know, and because it's all, you know, we operate with blinders on, but if you were a parent who had a hustle, their main hustle to make it a primary hustle, then you know that there's a hustle out there for your kid 
to make them better. Do you have to have a side hustle to have it be your main hustle? You know, or is know. it just your hustle? But here's a good question. I John. have a problem when a parent's side hustle become they force it on their kids. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So wait a minute. The parents' side hustle becomes the kids' main hustle? <laughs> no, no. It's, it's not their main hustle. It's forced upon them. So going back to Raf. Right? Wait, so what's well, a hustle that's forced guys, upon somebody? You're gonna overtrain right. with so all that Zach, hustling. You're overtrain. Right, so it's called under hustling. All right, get on, get on. Zach, so, when I was, so you have when to deload down, the hustle. God damn it. You can't deload a hustle. You know why? Because if you deload the hustle, that hustle will become your side hustle and you'll be failing at your side. I hustle. hustle. Look, I, I, I hustle think... with this BlackBerry. You hear me, people? <laughs> BlackBerry. Oh shit! Did you get that out of a museum? Well, my dad. I see because I have old photos of my kids on this when they're like one and two years old. Uh, you know, know you can. To... You know, there's a way to get those off of there. Like they're usually in the phone, but you got to break it first. It's like the files are in the computer. Take it, take it Tex. Take it, take it. I All can't right. believe this thing. Look so, at this thing, Tex. It's a no, fucking BlackBerry. No. <laughs> Stop it. I love BlackBerry. I'd All go right. back Boss in a heartbeat. Look, I'm you know how easy it was to type on that thing? I, I think Every you day I'm hustling. Start a side podcast about technology and old phones, Luke, because you have yeah, collection. But anyway. <laughs> so, Luke's like, how much you want for that thing? I need it. I need that for a fucking John, stocking stuffer. John, you know, there, it would be a lie if I said a sliver of me wasn't like, hmm, I could... I could use a BlackBerry. <laughs> you know, I think I still have my Blueberry somewhere. You, you remember when they came out with those blue BlackBerries? I was like, God, I got the Blueberry. And then I remember Jay-Z's like, and the Blueberry still connects. I'm like, I got the fucking Blueberry. Oh all right. God. So anyway, uh, but training down in Tampa with Raph, he'd have all these uh, one-on-one sessions. So parents, so former athletes of his would start to bring their kids six, seven, eight, nine years old, and they were specializing in their parents' sport. So soccer, baseball, whatever it was, and then they wanted sports-specific training, so Raph would be like, okay, yeah, we'll do baseball sports-specific training. It'd be like skips and sprints and stuff, but the kid was only playing one sport, and then all these kids already had unilateral imbalances, like problems from only playing one sport. So, But the parent was clearly, they were sitting in on the training session, watching, talking, trying to get involved. It's like, man, just... Hey, dude, uh, you are... I do the exact opposite. I want my kids to play and do things that I don't do. So that's why the girls do gymnastics and swimming. And now they're going to, uh, I think they're going to do dance next. Because the idea is about developing a, like a youth athlete in like a cohesive way. And the problem becomes that you don't necessarily develop athleticism in the sporting environment as a kid. You develop it through the skill acquisition, like rhythm of dance. And Ralph and I have talked about this for fucking 20 years, like uh, dance, uh, basically changing orientation and changing uh, like atmospheres, like swimming through the water, which is like a really interesting thing. We go back to what Dave Spitz talked about or gymnastics, like the ability to have orientation upside down. Like a lot of these things, like I think with like hand-eye coordination with like the ball i mean i i think that comes but uh the problem this is where people get fucked up they're trying to train their kids to be better at sport and we've proved through this power athlete thing that uh if you train for a specific sport you're really limiting yourself in terms of like you know training for athleticism and the idea of fostering athleticism unlocking athletic potential where now you can you know create the entire organism so that they have the raw material to go you know put it in there and i think just a lot of 
parents just kind of fucking miss the boat. Like, like, um, so I love, I don't know if you guys, if you guys are listening, look up Zach Evanesh's, uh, inst- or Instagram. I fucking love it because it's nothing but training videos of these kids just doing awful shit. Like yesterday there was a kid, <laughs> he, he had like 45 fucking chains draped around him and he was dragging these fucking chains like over the turf. And I was fucking laughing, thinking to myself, this is sports specific training. Said nobody ever. <laughs> no, what that is is I'm gonna load up so sports many fucking specific hustle, dude. <laughs> now we're talking. All he did was load this kid up with every fucking chain he could find, and was like, "I just want you to walk around for let's say ten minutes." No, and the kid I didn't was come just, up with that. Let me tell you what happened, dude. But uh, but 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 that's yeah. like that's the fuck. Like okay, so so like when I look at it, I think okay, he's teaching bracing and he's teaching posture because if the kid doesn't have posture or bracing, he's gonna get fucking broken like a taco. He's working on grip strength and the kid's fucking hamstring and posterior chain to be able to drag these fucking massive amounts of chains in his hands. And so I'm looking at it like he's developing movement patterns by forcing load, challenging posture and position using external resistance and uh, then making the kid fucking move through space doing awful things. And here's the best part. Zach doesn't even know why he's doing it. He just thinks it's old school. old school but we on the other hand are looking at it and i can see you know kind of that beautiful mind almost like the uh seeing like the genius in the simpleton you know that you know because zach's a very simple old school kind of guy it was awesome dude i was fucking i was like i want to go train at that fucking gym Uh, this is what the kids do johnny we we go through our own i take them through their workout that kid oftentimes stays after for an hour but most of the hard charging kids they'll stay after and they'll do we have all those specialty bars. They'll do arms. They'll take out the bamboo bar. They'll carry. And then what happened with that is we have, you didn't see it because he was covered in chains. He had a 40-pound vest on, and the kid last year took all of the chains and put the chains on. We have 10 chains, so 200 pounds. He goes to squat down to pick up the kettlebells. to uh, 10 chain? Because, Louie, uh, uh, like you have like one chain is really – Two chains. <laughs> like, Louis, Louis, like, throw one chain on there. And so I threw one chain. He's like, no, one chain is two chains. And I'm like, well, why, why don't you say two chains? Well, no, it's one chain. You would never just put one chain on. I'm like, they, um, so they started kind of competing against one another about like who could put on more, uh, more external uh, chains with that vest plus carry the 160 pound kettlebells. So the first kid that goes to do it, he squats down a little bit to try to grab the kettlebells, and he literally just, like, falls over in <laughs> slow motion. He couldn't even Love fucking it. get up. He's like, help me, help me. He's like, get these chains off. <laughs> so with uh, the, that kid. You know, in fucking tears laughing at this poor kid. Dude, who I was laughing so hard. And, and you know this, what's, this battling ropes thing is fucking, I don't know what the fuck that kid's doing. He looks like he's jacking off. <laughs> I always tell him, He's I go, like, dude, your facial expressions are on point. They're just out of control. But here's what is important about letting them do their own shit at the end is, especially for that kid, that kid used to train out of our first location, which I always say was probably the best one. We had a real unique group of kids, especially in the early years. But he, when we moved that gym and he moved down to the one down here in Manasquan, Side hustle? Is this your side hustle? Yep. Because that was the so main third, hustle. So third this is side hustle. So, did you and get a lot of side hustles? Too many side hustles. That now all I do is is uh, is, is hustle. I have to fucking deload my hustle. <laughs> I need a deload. If you guys could put up a side hustle 
on Train Heroic, how to deload from your hustle, I'll fucking buy it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> done. Uh, it'll be up in six minutes. Nice. <laughs> so he saw the kids talking and like joking around, and he was like, what the fuck's going on in this place? Eventually, like he's like in his third day there, he says to the kids, what the fuck are you talking for? Shut the fuck up. You don't talk here. He thought that he was, he told me, he goes, dude, I was so scared at the Edison gym. He goes, I was afraid to talk. He goes, I was so scared to be around those guys. I was just afraid. And we had that little bit of that environment of what Louis creating at Westside. Like everybody competed against each other. They tried to fucking destroy one another. It was just, everybody was trying to be better than the other guy. And there's this weird environment down here by the Jersey Shore, especially in my immediate location where as soon as it gets challenging, they're like, eh, like this is just too much. So this kid, he drives 45 minutes to the gym. He plays, uh, he's at a, he's a freshman at a community college. He's going to play baseball and he just fucking works his ass off. And then he always does extra, but he screams at the other kids. He'll do a workout. Let's say it was an upper body day and the other kids are deadlifting. I remember kids were doing like, like a five by two or a six by two deadlift. He just walks up and like reps their weight for like 17 or 18 reps. And that's the shit that I need to see more of. Like, it's not your lower body day, but you're so fucking pissed off. You're going to push these other nerds out of your way and fucking do their two rep weight for about 20 reps. And, and it's changed his mind. And he always says, he goes, man, it's fucking gym. Just changed my life. And it's interesting. You were talking about on one of the episodes, I think Dan John mentioned it. Like if you want to be a great, Anything, it comes down to genetics, geography, and there's something else Oppor in there. Opportunity. 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 Yeah, genetics, geography, and opportunity. It's our, uh, like, the starting place for the athleticism or athletic athleticism continuum that we have. People always talk about, like, well, you know, if the, if the continuum's a never-ending line, where do we start? And it's based on genetics, geography, and opportunity. So that's it. I missed, I missed you, John. What'd you say? Oh, I said genetics, geography, and opportunity. Yep. And it's like this, it's interesting. It's if you don't feel threatened, right, or if in your immediate environment, there's no, you know, football is the thing in Texas. And I think down in the Carolinas, football, Georgia, Florida, football. And it's so interesting that when I go to those states, I pay very close attention to how the coaches interact. So a couple of years ago, it may have been when I was at Lee, it may have been three years ago, I spoke at Georgia Tech for a hammer strength clinic flew me in the day of, I think it was a, I was on a Jedi simulator. That shit was fucking brutal. <laughs> it was a brutal flight. And I just paid attention to how um, attentive the coaches were. And there was a guy that was, I think 37 or 38. And he was a principal of a middle school, I think. And he's calling me sir and coach. And he was so like into all the training and I was like, man, that shit never happens up in New Jersey or, or it may not happen in these other places, but I just, and you guys like John, you, you had your first experience at summer strong. And when I go there, I feel so refreshed to be around fucking people who talk about lifting versus uh, my fucking funnels for my emails to get the, this person to click this and that. Talk to me about, you know, how, you know, motherfuckers are getting strong and how they eat, and how they live, and that's what I want to hear about, <clears throat> and it's, I don't like softening that, so I like, you know, people who were talking about gym owners, they 
I've heard a lot of gym owners, they thought they were going to train athletes. They are strength coaches. And then they're like, yeah, I just train like adults now because I can't, can't train athletes. Well, I'm not going to train all adults because I have to fucking conform to the world because we, I can't tell a kid he's being a pussy and I can't, you know, uh, fucking uh, uh, get into his safe space. Like I had a kid, it's just like, it's amazing how, like, if we conform to the world, we won't have independent strength coaches. You know, it's to me, it's so soft. I had a kid I was training for like a year and a half, two years. And I said to him, I go, dude, here's your buddies over there. They're fucking killing it. I go, you've been here for like two years and you're still fucking squatting 26 pound kettlebell. Every time you lift up the lightest weight, you're, you look like your spine's going to shoot out of your back. Your back is hunched over. I go, you don't want it. I go, and that's why your friends are killing it. They want it. You don't want it. I go, you come here and you don't want it. I go, you don't need a strength coach to get better at push-ups. You still could barely do fucking five push-ups. He starts crying. I go, don't fucking cry. I go, don't fucking cry. Go outside and fucking get your shit together and come back in. And then, and then in my mind, I'm like, that's it. This motherfucker's middle name is back, back squat. I'm fucking back squatting him. Even though if we assessed him, we'd be like, fuck, don't put a bar on his back. It'll break. He'll fucking back will break. I was like, that's it. I'm going to force him to adapt. So I said, dude, you're fucking box squatting every day that you're here. He box squatted the bar for like three to four sets. Then I put a five pound on through. He must've done like 20 sets of like two to five reps. He did squat, push up, squat, push up. He's there for an hour. We, we went for like 45 minutes. I go, I go now I want you to do sled carry recline row you got 15 minutes and then every week i added fucking five pounds to it eventually i pulled the box away he started squatting without a box his ankle mobility improved his back got strong he put muscle on eventually he left though but that kid got changed because yeah, eventually he left. God damn it, Zach. I was waiting for the fucking like, and that, nope. and, and that kid became you don't want it. John Wayne. That <laughs> guy went on to, to star in Hollywood movies. You're like, yeah, he fucking left because he's a pussy after right, he made so all these That's games. what kills me. What crushes me is he, you know, he lived a couple minutes away by bike and he accepted being part of the team, not being the motherfucking hammer on the team. And that's what these, that's why I'm so fired up because kids, they don't believe. And here's the, the issue with being an independent strength coach, because I can't make you stay. I could say, Hey, now it's free. And I've said that before. And guess what? They still they leave. don't come back still. Well, do you know why? Cause that's people don't value I, free I, shit. Correct. They're not going to value it. I honestly think somebody like me has to, I'm highly considering this get back into the schools because let's say you guys are the kids I'm training. And then all of a sudden you don't show up. I'm going to fucking hunt you down. I'm going to find you in your history class. Luke, step outside for 30 seconds. Haven't seen you for two weeks. You get to that weight room today. See you at four o'clock or see you at three o'clock high. Well, you know, uh, uh, you <laughs> know, three o'clock high. That movie was great. Oh, I love that. It's still one of my favorites when he gets the brass knuckles and the girl gives them to him and he fucking yes. launches the dude. Uh, Ruff I did that. I need my son to watch that movie. My son has watched... You know, critical movies for kids are uh, Predator, Part One. <laughs> Obviously, how old's your son? How old? My son is nine, but I showed yeah, him right. uh, Predator at age like five. Oh yeah. And I remember, like, when they did the handshake, I said, "You see that, Ethan?" And uh, Rambo: First Blood. Of course. It, well, that's a documentary, so everybody yes. has to watch that. I saw that movie. I think I was in like third grade. My dad took me to like all the 
military movies, Uncommon Valor. I, I want my son to see these. Probably to this day, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, like, I, dude, Uncommon Valor to me and Sailor and fucking Blaster. I just remember fucking Wilksy going over there and fucking knifing that dude at the very end. Uh, the best. I mean, Gene, or it's um, uh, not Gene Hack. Oh, yeah, it was Gene Hackman. Was yes. in, yeah, it was Gene Gene Hackman was in it, and uh, dude, like that part where fucking blasters running, the whole thing goes up, and they get the one POW. Dude, my brother and I watched that movie fucking a thousand times. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Patrick Swayze, no, God so forbid. Swayze yeah. was the young guy in there, and fucking uh, uh, Tex Cobb, who's in there, who was a fighter in Philadelphia. And I, dude, I ran into Tex Cobb, and I sat down next to him at a bar, and this is before he got sober, and I was like, "Yo, man." <laughs> Uh, I fucking loved you in Uncommon Valor, and uh, drinks are on me. And I fucking literally bought Tex Cobb every drink he wanted that night. <laughs> How cool is that? I, yeah, I sit at the bar, and I look over. I had to be the only, like, he was all by himself, and he had to be the only motherfucker that was like, Uncommon Valor! He's like, holy shit. <laughs> I don't even remember filming that fucking movie. You guys have never seen Uncommon Valor, have you? I haven't seen it. I'm <sighs> fucking disappointed in myself right now. These fucking young kids, D- man. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, like, uh, th- this is funny. That was like, in my heyday. I mean, my old man, kind of, my that's the taste of movies my dad had. So I'm surprised. I'm going to have to ask him in Christmas. Why you the you, fuck did you we might have this? seen it. Like, like, if you turned it on, you're like, oh, fuck, I've seen this movie. Yeah. My, so my dad would pick out any Viacom movie. And I don't know if you know this, but Jean-Claude Van Damme had a contract with Viacom. <laughs> so it was like all terrible fucking Van Damme movies. Oh, so I am... You bite your tongue. Van Damme never made a bad movie. You don't understand the use of terrible, John. <laughs> terrible is amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, if it if the... If right now pop culture would not like it, then it's, it had to be fucking awesome. Well, I mean, so th- this is a deal. I, I took my daughters to see the new Star Wars, The Return or The Last Jedi. Uh, they're six, and so they were. Uh, they loved it. Um, even though a bunch of people online haven't liked it, I kind of dug it. Long story short, uh, Callie right now is like, uh, has Hen seen it? What does she think? She's seeing it Christmas Day. Oh, God. Should we just ruin it for her right now? No, 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 okay. no. no. Um, so uh, I take the girls to see it. Uh, they love it. Uh, and I asked them, I was like, oh, has anybody at your school seen uh, Last Jedi? And she's like, uh, the girls are like, no, nobody's seen it. I said, how come? It's not appropriate for children. Mm-hmm. That's what parents are telling them. And I'm thinking to myself, when I was Fuck. their age, I had probably already seen, like, I'd seen all the, the Friday the 13th. Uh, I'd seen, like, all these fucking scary movies. I mean, like, uh, 1982, like, uh, like we'd seen everything. Mm. So, know, the, so th- this is kind of like uh, if we go to Daniel Coyle's book about having older siblings. Yeah. Like the younger siblings exposed to a lot of that shit younger because they have older siblings yeah. watching this shit that is age appropriate. And we turn everybody turns out fine. I think uh, so Z go keep going with your required viewing list for your son. Um so yeah, what do we say? Predator, Uncommon and, Valor, uh, First Blood. Valor, first Blood Part 1 and Part 5. And um Part 5 wasn't it just called Rambo? YouTube, Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's just called Rambo. Go on YouTube and just put in like top Rambo kill scenes. And uh, was that the one where he goes to Burma? Yes, he's fucking oh, ripping the dude's throat. Dude, the yeah. fucking kill scenes in that are so epic when the dude's shooting the 50 cal. Like literally yes. bodies are getting like projected, pulled back and like exploded <laughs> at once. And you can actually see the line on the dude's back that's yanking him back with like fucking full force and like the fucking mm-hmm. fake bloody explosion. I'm like, dude, hey, we stopped it. I'm like, oh, there's a line on his back. Yes. That's what, that's what groundhog or ground squirrel hunting is like. We love it. <laughs> I love it. It sounds amazing. That. 
I, I love that stuff. So, you know, what's interesting too, is I say, why is this generation, why are kids soft when the parents of this generation are from the seventies and eighties? Um, and it's like, they grew uh, up. So it's like, I think we're just we're so scared of shit. It's no, so, I say, it's I so think soft. it's this, right? Like, um, I think it has to do with, uh, with, with parental interaction. So like, just bear with me for a second. But, um, I think the parents now, like our generation are so much more involved in their kids' lives than ever before. Uh, I always say that, dude, my parents treated me with the malaise of a stray dog. They constantly reminded me that, uh, I was an accident and they didn't want me. So, uh, like it was true. I was a fucking vacation baby, total accident. And I remember being told that as a young kid, you're just lucky to be here. We didn't even want you. And I remember being like raised, like, uh, this is one of my favorite stories and my brother and I laugh about it is, uh, one, I think it was like a Saturday morning. We got up and we rode our BMX bikes from my house to LAX airport, which is about 28 miles. And there's something called the uh, Caldecott, or it's not the Caldecott, but it's basically there's a tunnel that runs under LAX on PCH that you have to go through when you come on PCH, and there's this big, long tunnel to get to LAX. We rode our bikes through that tunnel, turned around, rode back the other way, and rode home. So it was like just under 60 miles round trip on single-speed BMX bikes, and we were gone the entire fucking day. We got home at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I think Eddie was uh, like 12, and I want to say I was like 8 or 9. Yeah. No water, no money, no cell phone, no money for lunch, nothing. And we got home at the end of the day, and like my, when like we came in, and my mom was like, you guys are lucky to be home before it got dark. And we came in, and she was like, set the table, let's have dinner. Never asked us where we went. Never even said, hey, where the fuck did you go? Just nothing. Just knew that we were home, and we were gone the entire day on our bikes. And people drove by and saw little kids on their bikes riding through a fucking tunnel under LAX. And nobody said a fucking word, and we got home. And like to the and so we uh, we were I think when we were home a couple months ago we told my mom the story and she was like, "What? You guys did what?" And we told them. Like, Why did you go through Compton, you pussy? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> seriously. Like I just think like uh, like we used to go out like uh, we used to play uh, roller hockey like uh, like with rollerblades on the street and like go out and play and our buddies that didn't have skates or we didn't fucking always play with skates we sometimes just played with our feet Um, when it would get dark we would fucking dip the tennis balls in gasoline and set them on fire (laughs) and that's how we would see the fucking uh when we were shooting in the goals we would shoot flaming tennis balls at each other soaked in gas like stupid shit like that people would fucking call the national guard now it, it molded you. We did the same. There was BMX tracks behind the elementary and the middle school. I remember I'd be friggin' like uh, eating my lunch at a like uh, thing was called like a Cumberland Farms or something. So I'd get like cheese and crackers and a Dr. Pepper. Okay. This is before Power Athlete put their nutrition stuff out on the internet, <laughs> 1983. And um, it's a good meal. The internet. We would be gone all, all day, come home for dinner. Then I'd be gone till 10 o'clock manhunt i remember the bmx track we found there was like a dead cat with the intestines shot out of its butt <laughs> dude we dude uh how crazy is it that we used to just leave and when we were thirsty you would go over and drink water out of fucking From people's a, hoses oh, like yeah. as we were going we're like hey we're thirsty oh there's a hose and you go over and exactly. drink and then people would be out there and they'd be like oh and they just turn on the water and you'd be like thanks and the and the people were probably like man i'm gonna be nice to these kids so come halloween they don't come fuck up my house 100 percent. because if people were yeah. dicks to us we'd be like this Yeah, we're going to get you. And then the hilarious part is, so when I owned a home in Newport Beach, there was all these like kids in the neighborhood and and I'd always go out and like rap with them and they'd be like, Hey, Mr. Wellborn. And they'd always ask me these NFL questions and I'd always be real friendly with them. And at the end, I'd always be like, Hey, when it comes Halloween, 
don't fuck up my house because I'll know it's you guys. Yep. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you guys don't throw eggs, shaving cream, fucking let the air out of tires and do stuff. Shit. And they were like, no, we would never do that. Sure enough, they were right. They didn't do that shit. I was I so fucking upset. I was like, you know what? We, we tried to set shit on fire and fucking literally yes. reenact the Warriors every fucking Halloween. And these it's kids so are bad. over there nervous to fucking go out. I'm like, this is bullshit. Bad shit. I remember I told two kids in the neighborhood, I go, I heard about this thing called Molotov cocktail. Put it in a glass, put soap in it, some gasoline, and then you throw it. They fucking did it. They threw it and it lit a tree on fire. Awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you a final story of just getting your, you know, we it was it's winter time. I know you guys had snow a cup uh, during the symposium, right? You had a yeah, little yeah, snow there. Yeah. yeah, it's like first time it's ever snowed oh, in Austin. Ever. Actually, Luke, you were from Chicago, so you're oh, yeah. used to that crazy ass weather. So it was. Uh, I may have been a fifth or sixth grader, but there was an area right near our house called the wa- the Water Towers. Hill went up. It was all woods, but alongside the grass field, they had these bushes. So me and my buddies. Uh, organized a gazillion snowballs and we would like pop up behind the bushes and nail cars. Mm. We're nailing cars for what seemed like hours. Fucking these teenagers must've swung back around 19, 20 years old. They, they parked the car. They chase us up to the top (laughs) of the woods, the fucking water towers. We get to the top We're we're near the fence. They beat our asses. And I remember like getting my face destroyed. And I remember, after they beat up my one friend, when they turned him over, they shoved snow down his mouth. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe dude, we survived that Dude, shit. I can't believe you guys got caught. We, so we had this genius idea. We, we would steal pumpkins, and They're we put them in the road. Right? No, we, we would put them in the road to get the cars to stop, and then when the cars would stop, we would throw lemons at them, right? Which is the dumbest fucking thing ever. No, that because, makes sense. Right? And then we'd throw, and then we would take off, and we knew every fucking back alley, back thing, so we would take off running, we would fucking get out, and, like, they never fucking guys. caught us, because, dude, we knew the fucking neighborhood, and these guys, yeah. like, and I remember this dude who was in, like, I want to say, like, uh, like slippers, and, like, a fucking, like, Gucci warm-up, stops his fucking BMW, right on the side, the lemon hits the fucking door, caves it the dude gets out and is fucking literally like chasing us fucking i'm gonna fucking kill you kids and what do we do we're fucking off right we go up on the roof like we're up on the fucking uh uh like uh what was his name uh like um fucking lauren and i can't remember his last name we're up on his roof and the dude's fucking yelling at us and we're looking over well fuck you (laughs) run down jump down the back path we're going up the fucking bridal path and like to this day i'm like I can't believe we didn't fucking get killed for one. And I can't believe that fucking people put up with this shit. People now would fucking get a gun. They call the police or be helicopters. Our parents would be arrested. Back then you were like, nah, occasionally I take a lemon to the side of the car and I get to chase the fucking kids. So I I would hunt motherfuckers down. I would. Oh my God. I don't have any mischief like that, but uh, I was talking to my dad. You're a pussy. (laughs) No, no, no. In the, in the year 2000, we, I, graduated middle school and then it was tradition seniors just pick your ass up and you fucking get in the oh back like in up, um like days confused yeah. exactly so my sister was a senior they had it out for me the shit went down it was fun they threw us in a pool they took all the cash out of our wallets went and bought beer you shotgun a beer with a guy who paddled your ass and then they kicked you out of the party so huh. this is the way it was like the football that's, team that's the fucking right it's called and, a rite of passage but and then i was talking to my dad and he was telling me this story that went down and so they still do it but now the freaking some kid tattled told and mm-hmm. those seniors are up rising seniors facing lawsuit and then the cancellation of the football season <clears throat> so 
the what what needs years. to happen what needs to happen is the parents need to get together and go find the parent that filed the lawsuit and they need to shotgun a beer and throw them in a pool, steal their money, and then kick them out of the party. There you go. Because the problem was the parent, like, this is what my wife constantly, and we always talk about. There's a rite of fucking passage, like, I can't wait. I'm like, dude, this is going to be fucking epic. I hope it doesn't happen, but I hope it does. I hope my son goes to school and at some point gets bullied and gets his butt kicked and comes home and has to fucking tell me, dad, this kid's bullying me, or like, I got beat up or this. And I'll be like, you know what? Uh, even though it seems uh, insurmountable today, and I'm sorry this happened, we're going to make sure this never happens again, and I'm going to teach you how to fucking deal with bullies. Hmm. And you know what? We're going to fucking, and at that point, we'll be like, now the training starts. <clears throat> Stop fucking talking to your mom. I'll meet you up at the gym, and we're going to get into this thing. And I'm and like, but here's the problem. Without that type of fucking situation, without that some form of like, I always think of like my brother Rob coming home after getting his fucking ass kicked by like Peter Babros, mm-hmm. right? And coming home and being like telling my dad and my dad being like, okay, and taking him to fucking Mr. Habura's fucking martial arts, dude, which is how I got there. Like, if that fucking hadn't happened, I don't think that you know how to fucking live through life. I mean, right. dude, the best was uh, my older brother got bullied by this dude uh, named Ken Arsinian, which is fucking hilarious because he was like he was such a dick. And I remember like 20 years later, my brother Eddie and I are drinking with Rob at uh, this bar called the Shamrock, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. And we all of a sudden, Eddie looks over and he's like, hey, that's that fucking Arsinian dude that was a dick to Rob in high school. We're like, oh, it's fucking on. So he comes over. Uh, we ended up uh, not only uh, headbutting him, or I headbutted him, split his head open. We literally drug him out of the bar and fucking threw him into a light post and then fucking danced over him like Florida State, you know, when they would fucking do this one. <laughs> and, uh, and we fucking, if it took us 20 plus years to score a win for my brother, we fucking did it. But that's like, well, like as a dude, you have to have that fucking shit to go through. And here's, here's a couple of before, before get in, in the face. Before I get into some uh, feedback on that, John, you know, just some pointers for you, Zach and John, when you're throwing shit at cars, ride your fucking bike around, scout out trees, because no one's expecting anything to come from a tree. No, we did that. And, we were up in trees. So you get up in the tree and you fucking stockpile snowballs, cherries, lemons, oranges, eggs, whatever you got, and you just start fucking pelting cars that drive by. They get out and they're looking along the horizon and you're up there with your bros having a fucking blast huh? and that was are one you thing. saying that this is what we're gonna do if no. i make it to the symposium <laughs> but but here's the problem right when you're I up in the tree and, and and so we had a tree we used to throw from but that tree was like probably about a three foot jump onto a roof so we had an exit oh, strategy so from from like in. the tree and then we could get on the roof and we would fucking go over and then dude but i was I, a i was a pretty good climber i was like one of those fucking jamaican dudes who can fucking pull up a, a you yep. know a palm tree so i could get up and then help a bro up and we would just get up there in tandem and fuck people up and they could there's no way they'd get up there you know when i was in the nfl i was uh probably in my fourth or fifth year i was home uh we had um i forgot like i came home i want to say for the bye week and it was right around christmas so i came home and i'm driving with my parents and we were gonna i think we were going to church uh there was like a a, you know they wanted to go to like some 7 30 deal up at the catholic church as we're driving a fucking egg hits the side of the car and my dad's like, holy shit, what happened? I'm like, pull the fuck over. <laughs> so he fucking pulls the car. I jump out so and good. I know exactly where the fucking kids were because there was these like uh, in Palos Verdes where we live, there's these bridal pass. And there are these like things like separation. Dude, I fucking uh, right near our friend, the Sanford's house. So I fucking know where these kids are. I fucking literally jump out, fucking run up, come back around and sneak up on these fucking kids. 
like within like stealth mode and I fucking scared the fuck out of these kids and chased them out into the fucking drive and these kids took off like rabbits and I'm fucking and dude I chase these motherfuckers and when I saw them get running I was like thank god kids still exist today <laughs> I got back in the car my dad's like what happened I'm like oh, I found him he's like what'd you do I'm like I just scared him a little it was good I'll watch when we get home yeah. and but you know what like that's the shit like if it happened to me today I'd probably be like eh, okay we fucking deserve that one and, and John, I'm curious <laughs> on your feedback because you know I uh, there were, I got fucking bullied by older guys and never once and I got beat up a little bit but I would always fight back and I never ever told my fucking parents not because I was ashamed or may, I have no idea why I didn't and there was never like an anti-bullying talk from my old man that I can remember <laughs> you know or my mom like I was never no one unlocked <laughs> this empowerment and I'm curious why like dude I can remember the fucking the bullies trying to get one of my buddies I was we were coming to play tackle football and they were trying to get him to lick the bottom of a shoe after they rubbed dog shit on it and I fucking opened up full sprint and just WWF fucking drop kicked Trevor Pauling right in the chest. <laughs> nice. And it was on. It was a fucking melee. And they beat us up. But then we still we played fucking football with them immediately after that. And we settled it on the tackle well, football field. I'll tell you this, man. Like um, the bullying <laughs> thing has to do with like fucking power and respect and all this other shit. People want to like exert their power upon people. And, like, the minute that you fucking meet force with force, like, all these people, like, on the internet, like, my favorite, I mean, not my favorite, it's fucking tragic. Like, I was getting bullied on the internet, and I killed myself. I see that shit all the time, and I'm always, like, as a parent, if, like, if if somehow, like, I hope my kids, uh, I've, I've told them this, I'm like, you can lie to the cops, you can lie to your fucking preacher, you can lie to whoever, don't lie to me. Because here's the thing, I'll fucking know. And, like, uh, I got way too much fucking uh, uh, tech-savvy shit mm -hmm. available for me to access you at any fucking point. You can't hide from me. So if something like that happened where my kids were getting bullied online, you know what I would do? I would literally go outside and I'd take their fucking computer and I would cut it in half and be like, you know what? You're, you're not on the internet anymore. Get the fuck off the internet. Go outside, play. And oh. you know what? Like, we are not arming our kids... And people in general, I mean, even adults to this day, man, are so fucking scared of confrontation in public. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, I run in this all the time, man. Like, how many times are people being like, you know, here's something, and you're like, great, I'll be right over. Let's mm -hmm. talk about this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know what? They're, oh, instantly they fucking change. And I'm always like, listen here, motherfucker. Like, if you fucking talk shit or, you know, you have this whole fucking persona, and the minute that the person shows up, all of a sudden it's fucking roses, and you don't have the balls to say it, then you know what? Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Here's yeah. what's interesting, too, is like... <clears throat> So forget athletes, these kids that get bullied, you know what they need? They just need some confidence. You know what? I always say like the middle school phys ed program, why not just start doing farmer walks and sled drags every other day? Well, think about this. Do you know what group never gets bullied? Little... Do you know what group never gets bullied? Wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, I'm Dude, sure, uh, I'm sure uh, some do. But, when, yeah. when I was in high school, right, so I remember we played football, and I remember one of my buddies was uh, trying to, like, fuck with one of the wrestler dudes who was, like, a little dude, like a 130-something. Oh, he yeah. was, like, a lightweight dude. And my buddy was big. He was fucking 200 and 220 pounds. This little 130-pound dude fucking attacked him like a fucking rabid pit bull and literally slammed him and had that motherfucker down, like, choked out faster than I've ever seen. I just remember thinking, like, yeah, don't fuck with a wrestler even the little wrestlers, because that's all they fucking do. And they were like a psychotic, like in the gym, fucking with uh, trash bags on in a locked room with space heaters, yes. jumping rope all day, fucking battling for three hours. And I'm like, ah, those dudes are way tougher than us, dude. I, I wouldn't fuck I with those guys that, anymore. That's the struggle is what is what got, has to build these kids. So we're so like two years 
years ago, I think these kids I were training were seventh or eighth graders. And they told me when they came back to school in January from winter break and phys ed, they said we did two push-ups during the warm-up because the phys ed teacher said, you know, you had break, we're just going to do two instead of five. When I was at the elementary school teaching, I built fifth graders up to doing 20 push-ups in a row. We were doing frog jumps. Every time we'd go, and our field was about a quarter mile up the road, our school didn't have a like a back area. So we would go right up the street. And what I would do is we'd go up to the playgrounds where there were monkey bars. I say, you guys got five minutes, play tag, chase each other, climb on the monkey bars. I would just let them go free. Then we'd run the quarter mile. And whenever I would play uh, games with them, I would just increase the size of the field. So let's say they were playing soccer. The field would be monstrous. So there would be like seven goalies but they had to run constantly and then i'd call out two or three random numbers and i'd kick the ball to the center and they were running so yeah it was quote unquote called soccer they were just sprinting their asses off back and forth the goalies were sprinting and they were just hauling ass by the time they were done they probably all ran over a half a mile 20 push like i just they didn't know i tricked them into it by having fun with it now kids are or teachers, parents, they're so scared. This is what I hear all the time. Either too busy or do you think it's too much? And anytime somebody says, do you think it's too much? I think to myself, is exercising once a week too much in addition to sport? Like how soft are we? And that's why I say to myself, all right, I'm not making the impact I want through my gym. I think I used to feel I was now I'm not because it's just the whole system is really against independent guys. It's very tough unless you're in a great, great spot and you're in the right area. It's, it's a lot more trickier than ever before. I think I'd have to be back in the schools and teach kids how to be strong. So, and then you blend in, Hey guys, I like the way that you did 20 more pushups today. You carried a little bit heavier weight. I saw that you got tired. And maybe two weeks ago, you would have given up, but you pushed through and you didn't stop pushing that sled. Like that's what makes kids start to feel better. And you build them inch by inch, brick by brick. And it's a big reason too. Like my son loves baseball, but I see how it's, you guys say it all the time. It's, you know, it's so, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you're barely running, dude. When Ethan, when it's, my son, he's like, dad, it's a sport. I go, bro, tell me how much you ran during that game or during practice. I go, that's why we're wrestling. I go, you have to always be tough. And then yesterday I took him to batting cages and I bought, you know, 10 tokens. We got to the eighth token. He's sweating. He's like, dad, we're done. I go, dude, we're not like, we have two more tokens. You're not leaving because you're tired. Like, you're going to take a little rest and we're finishing these two tokens. Okay. Like you're, you could leave now. And that's what everybody else would do. I go, you're tired. We take a little break. We got two more tokens. That's what a champion would do. And then he did it. And I think those little lessons have to be taught. But we're talking about people getting in trouble for saying and doing. And I think that, you know, I love that destroy mediocrity because I see how great coaches at the high school level, they get fired because he was mean to me. Why? Because I fucking told you to work harder. Big fucking deal, dude. Well, That's but, uh, gift. but don't you think like parents aren't necessarily backing that shit anymore? Like I, I always think back on this. Like if if uh, if my kid came in and said, um, you know, hey, this uh, the coach is being mean to me, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, let's go watch. 
and I would go watch and I'd be like, wow, the coach isn't really being mean to you. He's just asking you to do stuff. Yep. Like, I think the problem <laughs> comes down to is that we have this, uh, this deal called helicopter parenting. And like my brother and I talk about this constantly because he's a, you know, he's a criminal defense attorney and he runs into these kids all the time that, you know, have these fucking horrific things happen. And these parents come in and they blame themselves and I should have been here and I'm going to fix this. And my brother's like, at some point you need to realize that your child like needs to fucking be able to function in society without you coming to save fucking problems. And a lot of times he's like, you know what? You can't fix this one. The problem comes is that you needed to fix it fucking 15 years ago and doing everything like, and he, he's, he said, he's like, man, I've, I've been running into more and more of these kids that are like in their like late teens, early twenties that have never had to face adversity because their parents have done everything for them. They've never had to like deal with everything because their parents are so quick to come in and solve every fucking problem that I'll tell you, it's a, we are not creating uh, like a, a, like a, a problem solving stable environment for these children. And like, you know, Oh, how did this happen? And my brother's like, and my brother Eddie is probably the best person I've ever met at what I call the come to Jesus moment where he will literally be like, Hey man, I'm going to tell you the fucking truth. I know you don't want to hear it, but this is how it rolls. And he's like, a lot of times these parents are just fucking uh, like so quick to do this. And like, we're so quick to want to solve all of the problems for our children. When a lot of times, man, like that isn't what they need. They need their own problem solving. They need their own fucking set of solutions to deal with shit. And I, I, I think as a parent, like I constantly think about this, like, what do you mean you don't like this? Like we, uh, like yesterday was my daughter's last day or the girl's last day of swim. And they were so excited to have be done with swim. And I'm like, why you didn't like swim? Uh, they were like, no, we just want to try something else. We, we've swam for like five years. We want to do something else. So now they want to do, uh, like we talked about it. I wanted to do jujitsu. They want to do dance. So I'm like, great, let's do dance. They did dance a couple years ago. They had to go to this Christmas show where they had to dress up like reindeers. They fucking hated dressing up like reindeers and we never went back. So now they want to try it again. So I think it's like one, I think as kids, you have to put them in things that they're excited about. And two, at least for me, like develop some form of aptitude. And at the end of the day, like if they're going to start something, they have to finish it there is no i don't want to do this anymore i'm like great you will go to the end of the year i will fucking take you there and let me go and assess and um at the end of the day like they have to do something i want them to be able to like i mean they're just not they're they're never just going to come and sit home because it's easier for the parent and i think we've uh we've run into that so it's just also they got to do stuff that you know your your girls are like well i don't like this or i want to try that Sometimes they have to do stuff that we know is important for them that maybe they don't love to do, maybe even don't like it, but then they start building, you know, they don't like it maybe because uh, it's a challenge or I'm not as good as the kids. Like when my friend first, son first started wrestling, uh, he also was like, man, I don't know if I like this. He didn't like it. Now he's starting to get good at it and he wants to compete, which is, I'm like, thank God, like he's, wants to challenge himself you know he wants to compete and he's also very big and a lot of times when I hear him talk I I hear a lot of the stuff you said John when you got as you got into middle school you got heavier my son is nine and he weighs 107 and I have uh sophomores in high school who weigh 107 my son's in third grade so he wrestles this league does not go by your age it goes by your weight so he might wrestle an eighth grader so I said, Ethan, you know, you're in a wrestle, an eighth grader, a seventh grader. He goes, so what, Dad? Don't be a pussycat, he says to me. It's like, all right. I talked to the coach. Great. And I said, I said, the coach is thinking we go in exhibition. He goes, Dad, exhibition, I know exhibition doesn't give points to the team. I'm not helping the team. 
And I think as much as sometimes I feel like I'm not, I come across intense. Hey man, I'm throw them in the deep end, dude. Uh, you, you know what? Like, yeah. I, like, like I, I remember I was, um, right. Let it happen, right? not to cut you up, but, uh, there are this thing in California called junior lifeguards where it's like a program yes, where they, they like, here too. yeah. So, uh, when I did it, you had to be 10 years old. And I remember, uh, when I was nine, my mom told me, I don't want you sitting around doing nothing this summer. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go down and do junior lifeguards. I'm like, but it's 10. She's like, I'll just lie. So we went down there and uh, uh, so I filled out, she filled it out, totally forged it and then puts me in the pool and you got to do a swim test. And my mom looks at me and she's like, if you fail this, um, you're going to have to do gardening every day and it's going to be the most miserable fucking summer of your life. Now fucking swim. And uh, I went out and I crushed it. I set like the fucking fastest time for the mere fact that the thought of hanging at home all summer with my mom doing nothing but gardening was in my future. Or I got to go to the beach and fucking hang out with uh, with the with with kids my, or my older buddies. And uh, like, so Garden like hustle, baby, yeah, and, and like side hustle gardening. And but, that is not a good hustle. But the problem, <laughs> the, the, the thing I tell my wife all the time is I wonder if I would have developed a lot of this shit if it hadn't been out of just straight up fear because my mom was screaming at us all the time. So I told I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, you need to stop being so nice to these kids. Yell at them more. Like, fucking put the fear of God or we're going to bring in grandma. And I I tell my daughters all the time, I'm like, if you guys aren't better, I'm saying you live with grandma. And they're like, no. I'm like, you know what? Fucking Doris is going to come and shit's going to fucking be over for you guys. And they're uh, they're like, oh, my Um, God. And uh, I've been living in in this town for eight years. And um, I've never there's this park near my gym that's been there five years. I don't know if I told you guys this story been here for eight years i've never seen a football game happen over there um i saw a basketball game there but it looked like it was like a tournament where people paid so i was going there for years since i opened the gym i used the park for sprinting jumping and um i'll do like a 10 minute ultimate football game as a warm-up for the guys get them running jumping cutting well um dude the uh in this town, it's not parks and recreation, it's beach and recreation because we're in a beach town. They fucking were like telling me, I need the permit, I need this, I need that. So I'm like responding to the email saying, listen, I've been here for eight years. I've never seen any kids use that grass area ever, ever. I go, there's nobody at the park. It's desolate. I go, we're setting a great example. We're utilizing the park. And I go, I'm only there for 10 minutes. I'm not running, you know, an hour boot camp or something on there emails are going back and forth finally i went to an attorney and then the attorneys has to call the township and the town manager this and that fucking 300 plus dollars later he's like you know why they couldn't find you know the the code and and the permit that you would have to pay for that goes because there is none it never existed i go damn motherfuckers want to stop kids from playing ultimate football well think about this man they're they're so concerned with like a lawsuit and this and getting phone calls like i mean uh, dude i mean dude parent like uh like when we lived in newport beach so when my kids were learning to ride their bikes uh i would like kind of like uh like once i taught them to ride the bikes i wanted them to ride without fucking daddy over them so i would kind of either sit on the porch or we'd go up and hang out with the neighbors and let them ride around the circle and like dude I can always think like these fucking people like, you know, so quick to like, oh, are those kids outside by themselves? Kids can fucking play outside by themselves. Like, I mean, we have a big piece of land, dude. Like the kids can fucking run around, do whatever they want and nobody's going to call on them. But like it, it just comes down to this idea that people are, and I don't know where this came from, man. Maybe like why were people less concerned with what kids were doing when we were kids? Maybe that's why we had more freedom. Maybe this like, uh, you know, like the fact that like you would have police tell you that kids couldn't play 
for ultimate frisbee or football at like a, a fucking park is insane to me. Dude, it's so weak to me. I, I was just like, I told the attorney, I will make sure you tell them to pat themselves on the back that they stopped us from playing ultimate football. And I'm sorry for offending people. Well, I think I that, only, one, that one comes down to playing. When's the last time you drove by a field and you see kill the man with the ball going on? Yeah, no. <laughs> we used to call that smear the queer, which yeah, I realize same. now is not uh, uh, socially acceptable or necessarily um, PC. But And here's a better part is uh, Luke played smear the queer and I played smear the queer and we didn't even know each other. Everybody just played smear the queer. And yeah. I always right. wonder how that name fucking universally got accepted as smear the queer yeah let me tell you i i have pro i don't have problems i don't care you know what what your uh sexual orientation is i don't care about that the one thing that really i'm about is why are we uh complaining to people who are out there playing working hard trust me i'm not making money playing ultimate football for 10 minutes and they they uh, don't cz i think that's the thing is they don't know that they see Here's and I'm not I'm just being tenth man here, right? You, I think you should fucking you should be able to fucking do whatever you want over there. But they're thinking like, oh, I wonder if this fucking guy is making money off of our property. That's what I think is just the fucking city. Oh, well, they looked at it like, hey, you run a business yeah. and you're utilizing yeah. that property, but why not come up and say, hey, man, yeah, doing something over there. Let's talk about it, and maybe you want to do it for the rest of the kids in town. Yada yada. But yeah, no, but they, they don't do I'm that. I'm a step behind. Wellburn, where I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here and get a piece of property somewhere. And then yeah, John, I mean, uh, so John bouncing real quick to you know why I my theory, at least with uh, kids can't play out on their own, is just that. And this is a like a blanket statement, people, and I understand that, so bear with me. Is just kind of media and reach and exposure and fear tactics of just tragic shit that happens to kids yeah, that are playing people. alone. So now that is causation. Yeah. Right? Well, the, I mean, the reason nobody is there's no supervision. Nobody wants to be like the person who gets on. And, and like, here's the interesting thing. Like, um, I, I think now because media is so much more accessible, like I was thinking, like, the only way we knew something happened was right. if you read it in the newspaper or it was in like the town newsletter. Yeah. You know, or, or just I mean, just the L.A. Times. My dad would read it and be like, oh, look at this. And I, I remember uh, this is pretty awesome or awful. But uh, <laughs> my dad was reading the Sunday Times and there had been a plane crash uh, for these people that were flying back from Mexico back to the United States. And there was a plane crash. This is like in the 80s. And I remember my dad like saw it and was like, oh, geez, and went through the uh, the names of people. And two of the people were uh, his clients, and like yeah. literally, he saw and he called the and he called and was like, "Geez, hey, um, you know, I saw that you know so and so passed away and this and this plane crash, and like those were my dad's clients, and like he, you know, and the people were like, oh, you know, we didn't know that that uh, you were their lawyer, and my dad was like, yeah, I've represented them for a number of years, and their kids had no idea, and my dad ended up helping them, uh, you know, basically like uh, figure out the estate and do all this stuff, and I remember him being like, man, what if I didn't read the paper? Like, those people would have not known that I, I was their lawyer, had all their estate, had everything, because they didn't, like, the kids weren't necessarily plugged in or their relatives, and he's like, it would have been a fucking absolute shit show, and I'm thinking to myself, like, if he hadn't called, those people would have not been able to Google or uh, like they would have never known. So like I, I think uh, right now media and information is so readily accessible that people don't want to be the person who, you know, Google fucking child, something happens. But at the same right, like we've effectively started wrapping our kids in bubble wrap out of fear for something. We have to prepare them. We yeah. got to give them street. Like I live in a town where kids will cross the street without looking. And the car will stop and they'll just be like, and I know what they're thinking. They're like this fucking town. Like they do whatever the fuck they want. And 
if you step outside this town and somebody punches you in the face, you're, you're not going to know what to do. Yeah. You will not know what to do. And that's why I think like, man, I took my, I always tell my kids, I go, you complain. I don't care where I live. I will move to the fucking hood and you will be going to that school. Okay. Because you, th- this is not the real world. And that's the tough thing. Like you move to a place cause you're like, Oh, it's so safe. It's so, and then you're like, fuck, you feel like you're, you realize you got where you are because you went through tough times and you found out a way to overcome them. To me, that's the beauty of the weight room of training in general is that it makes you stronger at life. When other people would normally quit and struggle and give up, you find a way. Like I was, uh, you know, I, I did something on Instagram yesterday and I said, man, I felt so I was like coming down. I know you got sick. You were saying, John, I was like, dude, do I have, am I getting the flu? What the fuck am I getting? Some weird shit's going around. Strep. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going home. Strep throat is what was going around. It was Strep fucking throat. everywhere, dude. Home. All my I'm kids have take it. a nap. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to catch up on sleep, take a hot shower. And then I'm going to fucking train hard. I'm going to lift with the athletes at four o'clock. I'm going to train hard. My body started feeling better. I went and bought a bunch of red meat, a bunch of steaks, started eating more steak. And I honestly think that like, Where did I learn that from? From training, from reading a lot of these, you know, the old school books. Old school. (laughs) Old school. I love when you guys say that shit. I have bins and uh, cabinets filled with those health and strength, strength and health magazines from 40s, 50s, 60s. I love how simple it is. It'll give you a full body workout three days a week. Then in the 60s and 70s, strength and health started basically... Uh, I think Bob Hoffman was, I don't know if he wrote that, but so it was a lot of Olympic lifting. And then you look at like the, the uh, meal plans that they give you and it's like, okay, you're going to wake up, you're going to eat like four to six whole legs. You're going to have like two pieces of toast with butter on it. And you're going to have two glasses of whole milk. Then for lunch, you're going to have, it's, it just says meat, meat and cheese sandwich. Like, I don't know what the meat was, but I assume the food in the seventies was certainly different than now, but I look at that eating and then I'll talk to a kid and he can't make it through a warm up. I'm like, what'd you eat today? Oh, I, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't make breakfast. Then I bought something at school and then I had a pop tart. And I'm like, dude, we give all of our athletes the good to greatness ebook. And I told John, I told Johnny, I go, um, a guy that played in the NFL for a couple of years, uh, he read it and he's so blown away by it. He's like, I, he grew up in Iowa. He's like, dude, I can't believe that he, He's so blown away by it. He's like gave it to every dad he knows that plays football. He's like, this is what the fuck kids need to be doing. He's like, they need to be eating steak and eggs. And I gave his kid um, the uh, a protein powder. And he's like, he went home. He put ice cream in it, milk, banana. I'm like, that's what they used to tell people to gain weight. Yep. You go milk, banana, two scoops of ice cream. Incarnation is in breakfast. Yes, like how awful so, is that? We spoke carnation and same breakfast. Those were fucking awful. Look, John, that was early protein powder. What are we teaching in the schools? Um, we're still teaching the food pyramid. So how crazy is this? My uh, my my wife makes my daughter's lunches, whatever we eat that night before. So like yes. I, like this morning, it was uh, like we had um, cooked a bunch of lamb in uh, in the instapot. So. Tex came over for dinner last night. We had it. it was pretty good. So she put uh, lamb. She put uh, whatever veggies. She like makes this whole fucking deal. Puts in a little tin. And I always ask the girls. I'm like, how was your lunch? Was it good? 
And because uh, I don't get a lunch, I got to make my own lunch. And so I always ask them, like, how's the lunch? And they're always like, oh, it's, it was good. Uh, but uh, so-and-so always makes fun of our lunch. And I'm like, oh, really? Right. What, what do you mean? They're like, they call it weird. I'm like, well, what do they have? Well, they have these things called Lunchables. And I just kind of laugh. And I'm like, I'm like, well, you know what Lunchables are? They're crap. And they're, yes. make, and they're making fun of you because Actual they're jealous poo. that you are eating a good lunch. And I, I tell them all the time, I'm like, that's poop. Literally poop underneath plastic. And they're we like, are long lost twins, John, because uh, I told my uh, kids, because um, my wife, she'll get chips, this and that. I, you know what that is? I said this to them years ago. That's crap food right there. You yeah. want to get strong? You eat the steak, you eat these eggs, you eat what daddy's telling you. So one day, I don't know, I, I may... Couldn't get the kids from school. I may have been up north. Uh, our friend walks to school, so she picks up my daughter and her son. They're in the same grade. They're, like, in first grade. She goes there on the front porch, and Summer, my daughter's eating, like, potato chips. And uh, Kathy says, <laughs> um, hey, Summer, do you want something else to eat? My daughter just responds, no, I'll just eat this crap food. She thought <laughs> that's what it was like, really called. So uh, she texts my wife, and she's like, She's like, I asked, you know, your daughter if she wanted to, you know, something else to eat. And she said she'll just eat this crap food. <laughs> and my wife was like, oh, that's Zach. He calls that. She thought that if it, that is what it was like, the actual brand crap food. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like first grade, I think. Uh, that's fucking awesome, great. man. So we didn't even talk about any training. So I don't know how this. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Because uh, I it. hurt people's feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to leave it there for part one with Zach Evanesh. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Lucky us, we get to close out 2017 with Zach and next Friday kick off 2018 with part two. If you're what Luke would refer to as a resi or a resolutionist, may God have mercy on your procrastinating soul. You decide when something is important enough to accomplish, not a clock. From everyone at Power Athlete HQ, Happy New Year. Until next year. Bye!